Welcome to the Mindset for Runners podcast, helping you to access and unlock your true potential as an athlete. Hey, it's Rob here. Welcome to this episode of the podcast on how to control your mind when you're running lap races or out and back races or long ultras, um, where you really need to understand your mind and how to control it. Before we get into this episode, I want to ask, did you enjoy the interview with Courtney Pratt, the last interview I did on the last podcast? I had so much feedback from so many different people about um, Courtney and what a legend she is and what they learn about how she manages everything she does in her life and still manages to perform at that level and be such a great mum and wife. So if you haven't listened to it, check it out. Awesome interview from a really inspiring person. Now, this episode is really dedicated to two amazing people who I've met recently, Mark and Brian Upton. Now, they are doing an event uh, next month called the Braveheart 777 Marathons. You may have heard of this. A really good, really good charity event raising money for a very, very well-needed um, area for kids. So check it out if you want on Braveheart 777. Now, if you don't know about it... Uh, they're running, so Mark and Brian are a father and son combination, legends, who are going to run a marathon in seven cities across Australia in seven days. So forget about just running seven marathons in seven days, but what about all the logistics in getting from one city and flying to the next in order to run it the next day and the next day, backing up, backing up, backing up. So this is for Mark and his dad, Brian, on this um, amazing adventure that they're on. But it's also for all the people who have said to me, I don't like doing lap races or I don't like out and backs or how do I get my mind around a long ultra or how do I find you know, joy in running laps? So this, this is who this podcast is for. There's so many lap races around now, right? You can do a six hour, 12 hour, 24 hour race around a running track. Um, you might even have like an out and back park run, for example, or a looped park run. Uh, you can have someone like Mark Avery, an amazing ultra runner, um, who went for a world record for running 24 hours on a treadmill, right? The last person standing events, there's so many of those now. There's such a great format. Even ultras like the Elephant Trail in Port Macquarie is a lap race. There's a lot of ultras that are lap race. And so we, this is for you if, if you're thinking about doing a lap race or if you've entered one and you're like, oh, how do I get my head around it? So I'm not going to try and talk you into doing a lap race. I'm just trying to help you get control of your mind so you can do it. So we're going to focus on, I'm going to give you so much practical stuff. I really suggest you have a pen and paper ready or at least get ready to do mental notes from at least one thing you're going to apply in your training uh, upcoming, whether or not you're doing a lap race or even just how to break down your next race. Let's get stuck into it. I'm going to start with mindfulness. The reason we're starting here is it's going to really be overarching thing we're talking about in this podcast. Now, mindfulness, what is it? Let's go straight to the best definition I've ever heard, which is the non-judgmental awareness of the present moment and the continuous return to that moment when the mind wanders. So much value for runners in that little sentence there. So non-judgmental awareness of the present moment. We are not trying to get rid of negative emotions as we're running, right? It's all about awareness of it and dropping the judgment. So it might be something like, I'm feeling angry or I'm feeling tired or I'm feeling scared or I'm feeling sad, whatever. 
we're building the awareness of the emotion and we're not judging it. <clears throat> that is the goal. So acceptance of it, of the emotion. And there's a great phrase in mindfulness, name it to tame it. So what that means is as you're running and maybe, um, I don't know, you're just having a low moment when you're running, all right? And it's being able to say, I'm feeling tired or I'm feeling sad or I'm, I'm feeling exhausted and being with that feeling without trying to change it, without wishing it away, with just holding it with you in, in a moment of acceptance and saying, this is where I'm at. You can't change something until you can accept it. And that's what we're talking about here. Do we want to change it? Yes. Ultimately, we want to shift you out of those states. But the first step is to be aware of the state you're in, not judge it and accept it. And then from that place, you can make a change. All right. So it's okay to feel sad. It's okay to feel angry. It's okay to feel scared. It's okay to feel tired. All those emotions are normal human emotions. Can you sit with it when you're running or in life? and just not judge it, name it to tame it, I am feeling. Right, so that's an overarching statement for you to just kind of ponder as we go through this. So I've had a few people recently come up to me and say things like, I don't like running lap races, can you know? Can you help me with the lap races? So I really wanted to put together some practical things to help with that. And the first thing I'm going to start with is, is imagining that person coming up to me and saying that. And as a coach or, or a mindset coach, it's about unpacking how that person came to that sentence. I hate running laps, right? Or I don't like running laps. So you have to work out what's going on in that person's mind to, to come up with that statement. Like how are they representing laps to themselves? And that's kind of a, a combination of the images they're creating in their mind when they're thinking about lap races. Um, so they might just see the monotony of running around around a running track or, or um, they might see themselves running that out and back, I've already run that, now I've got to do it again. But they're creating some kind of image. That's creating a feeling in their body. And then there'll be a self-talk associated with it. Um, and, and that's what we want to unpack. So we want to ask them, you know, what's going on that, 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 that led you to that, right? So we have to break down that sequence that, come, that, that comes with the lap races. You can do that for yourself now. If, you, if you're, you know, thinking about an upcoming lap race and you're like, oh, you know, it's six laps of blah, blah, blah. Just think about what, you, what you're saying to yourself, what you're seeing, <clears throat> pardon me, and what you might be feeling. <clears throat> Excuse me. And then the deeper work is to break down the beliefs about lap races. So beliefs are those kind of statements that we feel are true. So it could be something like laps are boring or um, laps are just the same thing every time. The scenery is the same, the people's the same, the course is the same. I'm just running in circles, right? So these are the beliefs we have around laps that we can begin to understand how we're creating it. And then once we do that, we can start to change if we want. <clears throat> Pardon me, I'm just going to have a drink. So to break them down, first of all, just sometimes the awareness is enough to create the change. So once you can become aware of, oh, now I know why I hate lap races. It's because I'm telling myself they're boring and it's all the same. And maybe that's enough for you to, to realize that they're not actually boring, they're not the same, and you can start to change from there. If you want some tools, I'm going to give you those right now. There's a brilliant um, guy, John D. Martini, who you may have heard of. He's, he's come up with a, a method over his years of, of helping so many people 
um, reframe trauma uh, and and reframe their minds. But um, it's called the Diamartini method. And basically he's saying anytime that you have, like you dislike something, it's because you have an unequal or an uneven amount of negatives stacked against a lesser number of positives. So if we take that um, to the lap race, this person I was talking to has stacked the negatives associated with lap races um, against the positives. So they might have 20 negatives and only three positives. So the Demartini method is a very simple way of sitting down, writing out all those negatives, and then coming up with an even amount of positives for every negative that you have. So let's say you say lap races are the same. That's number one. They're just boring. That's number two. It's just the same thing over and over. That's three. And I ask you, okay, tell me about the positives of lap races. And you say, nothing. There's nothing positive about them, (laughs) right? So there's three. But if you can come up with, or I could say, well, what could it be? You might say, well, lap races actually have a hub, a central hub where you come back to every lap. And, And that's good because the volleys normally have like music pumping. They could be dressed in weird outfits and they're cheering and they're getting everybody out there. They could be, um, it means I don't have to carry a pack because I can um, come back to my drop bag or, or my, my tent every lap. I don't have to carry that. It could also mean I get to see lots of people out on the, the course over and over again. Or maybe I get to run with the elites and I get to see the elites doing their thing because we pass them on the laps or, or on the trail, right? And all of a sudden, you start to stack the positives against the negatives. Now, what Martini says is only when you've got an even amount of positive and negatives can you really integrate it into your life or you, can you really um, see it for what it is. But until you can do that, you're going to be stuck with an uneven bias of what it is. Um, if anyone's ever listened to uh, Brent Ford's brilliant new podcast, it's called Peak Too Soon, um, he mentioned on that podcast that he recently did a race in Canberra where he ran around the AIS running track with Camille Heron, who just broke the 48-hour record, world record, right, for how many um, kilometers she ran um, in a 48-hour race. Now, Brent was on the same track doing a different race. Brent was doing the 12-hour Camille was doing the 48 hour, but he got to run laps with a world record currently in the making. I don't know many people who get to do that, but and that's just one of the few advantages um, of running a lap race, for example. Um, so when you can stack them up, you can even it out, and then you can start to see it for what it is. We're going to go to something called chunking. Now, chunking is something I learned very early in ultra marathon running because if you do a 100-mile race, which is you know anywhere between 160 and, <laughs> well, the old days, anything over 100 miles, they used to just call a 100-mile race because they couldn't be bothered changing it. So Great North Walk was 175.8 kilometers, which is about 108 miles, but they just called it 100 because it's just easier. So it, when I started doing the Great North Walk 100-miler back in the day, it was a lot to take into my brain that I was going to run 175 kilometers in one go. So I learned from, from you know, the great people who taught me how to do this stuff to break it down and chunk it down. So all I would focus on would be checkpoint one when I started, right? The 28 kilometer mark, I would just focus on that. Then when I got to checkpoint, 
one, which is the Wadigan Forest, for those of you who have run it the old days, and then checkpoint two was Conjuwai School. So that was 52 kilometers. And that's all I would focus on, just the next checkpoint, the next checkpoint. And as I learned this strategy, I realized how powerful it is. It's so simple. But I'd be out in the trail and I'm thinking, just think about checkpoint one. All I'm going for is 28 Ks. I've got this, this, you know, I'm doing this, this leg, this leg. And people come along and say, oh, this is going to be such a long race. I mean, we're going to be running all day, then all night, then possibly all day the next day and maybe into the next night. I mean, I don't know how I'm going to do it. And I'm just like, I'm not even thinking about that. But these people had not chunked the race down. So they were thinking I'm running 175 Ks. Now, this is responsible for a lot of DNFs, not being able to chunk the race down. So let's talk about how you chunk the race down. And the preface for this is you need to know a little bit about yourself as an athlete or as a person on which one of these strategies is going to work. Now, so in my mindset coaching, a big component is getting to know yourself and getting to understand yourself so you know what works for you. So a few different ways you can chunk a race down could be time, right? So it could be, say, hour by hour in a 24-hour race or, or you know, a six-hour race or even in, the, in a 30-minute park run. You can break it down into three 10 minutes or, or six five minutes uh, or break it down by time, right? So that might help you already just knowing that you can break down even a park run into um, time thing. So if you're doing a 24-hour race, you might break it down hour by hour or four hour by four hour when you get to turn around the track. Or um, if you're doing a you know a, a multi-day race, you can break it down um, by you know three hours or half days or, or whatever you like to do that. But that's one way to do it. Distance. So you might break it down um, by kilometers. So you might say, okay, um, I'm doing a. I'm not going to keep talking about ultra. Say I'm doing a half marathon. I'm going to break it into four five kilometer four by five kilometer runs, right? And I'm just going to run four park runs back to back and there's a little bit extra fun at the end. And that could be the way that you represent it. Um, You could do it distance, you could do it by landmarks. So if you're doing a, say, a a run where you uh, run past, I don't know, a a rock or you run past a building or you run past an, an intersection or a landmark that you know, then you can break your run down by that. Um, and that's done a lot in, in ultra runners running where you might, you know, for example, Costa Cozzi, it's all about the big dead tree at the hundred kilometer mark, right? It's this old dead tree, which is so significant <laughs> to the race. Um, and, and it's just a, it's a measurement of a landmark of a distance. Um, you could break it down into thirds. So a great strategy for ultras is breaking it down into thirds. So the first third, second third, third third. So then you can f- chunk that down even further and say, on the first third, I'm going to focus on something, and that something's going to be my nutrition and hydration. That's all I'm going to think about for this first third of the race. I'm going to nail it. I've got a plan, and all I'm going to focus on is getting enough nutrition in, getting my hydration strategy dialed in, and that's going to be my focus for the first third. The second third might be something different, like um, I'm going to run mindfully. I'm going to soak up everything about this race in the second third, and that's all I'm going to focus on. I'm going to just be in the nature. I'm going to you know, f- be mindful and just completely run in that moment. And then the final third could be talking to as many people as I can or really enjoying that I'm on the way home and, and heading towards the finishing line and I've already broken the race 
um, but races back by running two thirds of it. So that's that's a great way to break down an ultra um, by giving each third a theme. Pardon me. <clears throat> Uh, another way to break it down is by using rewards. So you might say at the such and such kilometer mark, I'm going to put my music on. Um, every 10 minutes, I'm going to have a walk break. Uh, or every uh, three hours, I'm going to have my special food treat. Um, and same as in the park run. Maybe you run with music, but just to change it up, you might hold the music back until you hit the you know, three kilometer mark, and that's going to be your reward for the last two. Um, using a reward, even like quotes can be great. So sometimes in a long ultra, I will carry quotes or, or, or pictures that my kids have drawn me saying, go dad, and I might carry that in my pack. And I'll say, I'm going to have a look at that when I get to such and such mark, just to give me that little bit of energy. You can use those strategically through the race. If it's a long race, you can get... Um, you can get friends to, to message you or email things through in advance and you can print them out and have them ready for you in your drop bags or your crew can hand them to you or you can read them at a certain point in the race that you've decided. But think about what other rewards you like and where you can put them into your race plan to give you that little boost um, that you need that's right for you. A picture of a family member or um, something like that, whatever it is for you, that's where you have to know yourself here um, to know what's going to work for you. Um, you can set an intention for each lap or each leg of the race. And intention is really, what energy am I going to bring to this lap? Or what energy will I bring to this leg of the race? So you might have four legs. Say you're running the Canberra Shri Chimnoy 100K in September, and you've got three checkpoints spread over four different legs. So you might say for the first leg, I'm going to run this with um, with calmness. Okay, my first 25k is just going to be, I'm going to be running calmly. I'm going to be focusing on my breath and relaxing every part of my body. The second, I'm going to run it with enthusiasm and I'm going to chat to everybody around me and I'm going to look around and see how lucky I am to be in this beautiful city with these beautiful mountains. And then the third one, you know, you can bring up your own intention for each leg, but have this pre-populated in your race plan, practiced in training before you go so that you have these things to break down your race. Running with a different energy will give you so much more than you actually imagine it will. It gives your body a state of being and something to focus on instead of just going through the motions of, oh, I'm doing a 100-kilometer race today. I hope this is making sense. I hope you're getting something out of it that you can um, implement. There's a dedication strategy you can use, and that could be used in any way you want. But who am I going to run this race for? Who am I going to run this leg of the race for? Who am I going to run this lap for? Who am I going to run this hour for? If you're doing a lap race, you can dedicate one lap to somebody else important in your life or a different cause or a different um, yeah person or an inspirational person, someone you may not have met or someone you may know. And you can break it down. Let's say you're doing a six lap race. You could have six different people. This laps for this person, this laps for this person. Um, or you can alternate just two people. The first two laps are for this person, the second two, blah, blah, blah. You get what I'm saying. But you can dedicate. When you have a dedication strategy, you're running for somebody other than yourself, which is going to give you so many more things. 
more energy, um, a higher purpose to run than just your ego or whatever your reason was and something to keep you going when maybe your um, brain is telling you to stop. Another simple one is to write down all the reasons that you're doing the race and have that around you if you need to draw on something in those lap races. And it could be I'm making myself tougher, I'm putting myself in an uncomfortable place by doing these lap races. I came here to learn something about myself and that's why I'm doing a lap or that's why I'm doing a long race and, and get really clear on what those reasons are and have it in your consciousness or in your pack or in your drop bag or with your crew. All right, moving on. I'm going to share with you a few strategies I may have shared before, but I'm going to bring them up here because they can be really helpful in lap races or in um, long ultras. There's a strategy, um, I I think I called it the I can't believe it strategy, which is designed to put you in a state of awe and gratitude. So basically, let's just say you're doing um, hill sprints and you've got to do 10 hill sprints, right? And so you do the first one and you come back down you do the second one and you're like, oh, that's two. Great. Oh, three. I've still got seven to go after this one. Four. Then I've got six to go. Five. I'm halfway there. Number six. Still got four to go. Right. Instead of doing that, shift it to, I can't believe I've already done two. I can't believe it. I've already got two behind me. How good's that? The third one, I've already done three. And you're focusing what you've done. So in a long ultra, I can't believe I'm already through checkpoint one. Checkpoint one's already behind me. How good is that? Right, So you're focusing on what you have done instead of what you haven't done. So gratitude is wanting what you have instead of wishing you had something that you don't. And that's what this state is putting you in. I can't believe it. I've already run three laps. I've already got three laps behind me. And you're, you are embedding in your body what you have achieved and why that's special to you instead of focusing on what you haven't got. Um, so that is that I can't believe it strategy. Curiosity strategy. Pete Shaw, um, NLP trainer and coach who has helped me so much over the years. Um, he, this is one of his strategies, which I implemented in the Bogong de Hotham Ultra um, a few years ago, and it helped me immensely. This is a little bit of a weird one, but it really works. So stay with me here. It's going to get a bit weird. So I was going up Mount Bogong, which is for me back in the day was about a two-hour climb from the start. Um, and Pete, Pete's strategy that he gave me here was imagine, so pick up a leaf and imagine what it was a thousand years ago. Right, stay with me here, stay with me. So imagine you're, you're walking up a big hill, big mountain, and you pick up a leaf and you're like, what was that leaf a thousand years ago? And your mind starts to go into this, again, state of like curiosity or, or bewilderment, right? What about this trail? Who made this trail? What was it 100 years ago? What was it, bush? Was, was, was the trail here? Was it used by, you know, indigenous? Was it used by the first farmers that, who, who settled on the land? Like, what was this trail? What about that rock? What was that rock a 1,000 years ago? Okay, you, you might think I'm completely weird now, but try it. Just try thinking, who made this road that I'm currently running on? And what was it like before they made the road? And then... How did they make it? And then what did they use? And how many people were making this road? Who was here now that... And just just try it, okay? Give, give it a shot. I'm going to move on. Um, but just a, it, it takes you to that state of bewilderment, wonderment, and, and like, what, what is this? And, and that increases your awe state and takes you away from the self or, or focusing on me or my pain or, or whatever. Right. 
Let's move into mindfulness now. Let's look at this statement again. I hate running laps. I hate out and backs. I hate um, long races, for example. Right Now, that statement, those statements are constructions from the past, so a memory from the past, or an imagined memory from the future, so an imagined construction of the future. So mindfulness is being, remember when we go back to that to that state, uh, sorry, the definition at the start, that non-judgmental awareness of the present moment and the continuous return to that moment when the mind wanders. So anytime you're in a, I hate laps or you, you're constructing something, it's because your mind's gone to past or future. When we're running, it's so important to train our mind to stay where we are running the kilometer that we're in and staying in a mindful moment. There are times, yes, when we need to go to um, what's my nutrition, what do I need to have, how much do I need to drink, what about my pace, blah, blah, blah. That's important as well. But once you've done that, come back and bring your mind back to where you are. Now, how do you do that? Let's think of a really simple way, which is what are three things I can see, three things I can feel, three things I can hear, three things I can taste, or three things I can smell. You don't have to do all of them. It helps if you can cycle through them. And this cycle might take you a few minutes to actually um, name those three things of each, right? Or you might just use one. What's three things I can see right now? And you look around, you think of three things. That's how you bring yourself back to the moment. Now, remembering with mindfulness, it's not how long you spend in that state of mindfulness. It's, not, it's, it's how many times you can bring your mind back when it wanders. Same as meditation. Meditation, you're focusing on the breath. It's not how long you can be in that state and focus on the breath. It's how many times you can bring yourself back to the breath, back to the moment when your mind wanders. So when you're out there practicing mindful running, go easy on yourself right? Especially if you're just starting and just keep on bringing your mind back and back. It might be 10 times a minute, might be 10 times in 10 seconds. But the more you practice it, it's like more um, curls in the gym. It's about the number of reps, not about how long you do it for. Okay, I hope that makes sense. So think about that simple mindfulness thing. See, what can I see? What can I feel? What can I taste? What can I smell? So I did a, there's actually a, a mindful running practical session I've done. It was episode five of this podcast. You want to go back? It's actually pretty good. I listened to it recently on a run. And it's so so basically, if you listen to episode five, take it with you on a run. And I, I take you through these strategies to help you learn how to run mindfully. And on the run, you'll hear me say, now switch your focus to this. Now bring your focus back to that. So just give it a shot. Episode five. Um, I'm going to briefly mention this next strategy, which is the channels of focus. There's a lot more of this in episode 14, which I called how to take control of your attention as you run. But quite briefly, if you can just learn this one strategy, it's going to really help you in your running so much. So the four channels are internal. This is focus, where you put your focus um, of attention. Internal, external, broad, and narrow. And you're mixing either internal and external with either broad or narrow. For example, an external broad focus is when you look up and you look across the landscape, for example, and you're looking at a mountain range. 
right? An internal narrow focus is when you're focusing on the feeling inside your big toe. So an external narrow is when you're looking out and you're looking at, say, one tree or the power pole or the end of the path. That's an external narrow. And so an internal broad is the other one, is the general feeling in my chest or or my overall rate of perceived exertion, but it's inside your body. So those four channels you can play with. Again, episode 14 unpacks these even deeper if you want to go back and have a listen to them. Right, we've covered so many things on the podcast today. I hope you've got something um, out of this that you can use practically. That's what I'm always intending is that you go away with something to try. I'm going to leave you one last thing. It's a little bit weird again, so, but I wanted to share this with you because it's something that really helped me win Costa Cozzi last year. Claudine Chi, my mindset coach, worked with me a lot on creating this last piece, which is connection. It's connecting to something bigger or higher than yourself and realizing you are connected to everything. Now, I know it sounds weird. It even sounds weird to me, but stay with me and try it. Can you find something bigger than yourself to connect to? It could be your spirituality. It could be religion, your God, universe, um, somebody who may have passed, uh, something in nature you connect to, something grounding in Mother Earth, um, a spirit, uh, something you believe in that you can connect to as you run. If you can take this on your next run and find that thing that you're connecting to, that spirit or that energy or, or whatever it is, and practice talking to it or connecting with it or feeling it however you do, this will take you out of pain, thought, anxiety, worries, and it'll help you do what Sri Chimnoy taught and still teaches us all, which is about transcendence as you're running. So if it's too weird for you, don't worry about it. If you'd like to try it, it's worth a try. Just try to connect to something higher than yourself, whether it's Father Sky, Mother Earth, again, spirit, something. Connect to a tree. Connect to, I know it sounds weird, just give it a shot. And you will find, um, you will transcend uh, what's happening in your body and your mind. And it's something you, once you experience, you will never forget it and it will be with you. And it's something that I will never forget that Claudine really helped me unlock last year. And I practiced with it a lot in my training in the race. Um, And just to to finish that with a quote from Sri Chimnoy himself. Uh, he says this, he said this, try to make yourself feel that you are not the runner, but that somebody else is running in and through you. You are only the witness, the spectator. All right, so once again, I hope you got something out of the podcast today. Above all, just like your race day nutrition, you need to keep practicing this stuff in training. So take one idea with you on your next run, see what works for you and keep practicing it. And let me know what works and doesn't work for you. You can email me. The email address is coming up on the outro of this podcast or you can hit me up on the socials. 
One last thing, big shout out to Mark Upton and his dad, Brian, for taking on the Braveheart 777 marathons next month. If you want to find out more, you can just Google uh, Bravehearts 777 or um, Mark or Brian Upton um, from Two Uppies Try on Instagram. Go get them, Mark. You're a legend. Uh, really great cause for the kids. Get behind them and trust you're going to put something into practice from this podcast. Look forward to seeing you on the next episode, which I'm really excited about and I cannot wait for you to listen to an interview with the Australian 24-hour and Victorian 24-hour champion for 2023. It will be Joe Ward. Cannot wait to release that episode. Um, Until next time, see you on the next podcast. Thanks for listening to the Mindset for Runners podcast. I hope you got something practical and useful out of this podcast or something inspiring to help you get out for your next run. If you have a question about Mindset for Runners or athletes in general, please email me at robmason.run at gmail.com and I'll answer your question on an upcoming podcast. If there's anybody you know who could benefit from the information I share in this podcast, please share it with them. See you next time.